0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Office Hours. The photographers are in. My name is Ashton Staniszewski. I'm David Petino. And welcome to the podcast where we talk about all the things that go bump in the night for the creative folks out there. Um, this is the flagship podcast of you're not being difficult. That's how much you cost and you bet your ass you're worth it. <laughs> podcast network. Uh, thanks for joining us for episode seven of Office Hours, David. Uh, welcome back to the states. Thanks. You were uh, you spent a, almost a week, a little bit over a
1: week, week in just, Rome. Yeah, spent like a work week in Rome.
0: You just dropped, you know, dropped everything in, in and <laughs> international jet set guy,
1: something like that. I'd never been out of the country, so I figured it was time to go.
0: Okay, so observations, uh, things you things you took in, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I so I actually went on the heels of, uh, on the coattails, I should say. Uh, my wife booked a job over there shooting a corporate conference, and, and she was like, hey, I'm going, my flight's paid for, my, my room is paid for, you should come. And even though it wasn't the right time, because it never is the right time, I thought, well, yeah, let's go. I've never been to Rome, never been to Italy. Let's let's go check it out. And so, so we made it work, and we got over there. And and I decided that I was going to just like be a tourist for five days, and walk the streets, and sip cappuccinos, and drink red wine, and take pictures, and let the camera hang around my neck. So that's exactly what I did. Um, I literally just took a point and shoot with me, and and hung it around my neck, and like just snapped pictures, looking up at all the architecture and the people walking by and the cobblestone. And if you've never been to Rome, it, it looks like a, a movie set. It's it really just, does. Yeah, it's like every corner you turn, you're like, oh, this is that film I saw 10 years ago.
0: You know, I, I talk about how California, like the, the, the golden hour and the sun that they have there yeah. is like spoiled on them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it comes second to Rome. I mean, and. Like, they have the most incredible, like, the way the light hits the buildings. It is, like, it's super cliche sounding, but it is very much the truth.
1: Yeah, and it's all that, you know, uh, everything's painted either that beautiful yellow or that beautiful coral color. (laughs) Like, all the apartments and then the street is always just the perfect amount of wet. And I don't know, like, the whole thing just felt really... Surreal. I got we flew in. I got there the first night. My wife had to work for like three hours and I just took a cab and I was I just pointed to a map and I was like, take me here. I think this is a good spot spot to start. And I got out of the cab and I just started walking. And I walked for like three hours, not knowing where I was going. I didn't have a map. I just would open my phone every once in a while. And then all of a sudden I would turn the corner and like I was in front of the Pantheon and I didn't know it. I just showed up and added And so like that's kind of how I approached the whole week. I just walked. I didn't really care where I was going or what I was doing and literally just snapped pictures. And I felt very safe the whole time with a camera hanging off my neck. And I didn't feel like I was in a a weird spot, even when I was in like a really dark alley late at night, because they're all really dark alleys. (laughs) And then all of a sudden there's like a beautiful whatever restaurant or something. So I really, I I just, I kind of, I let my guard down as a professional photographer and I acted like an idiot with a camera. And it was the most gratifying thing I'd done in a long time.
0: See, I feel like you know that's super important, though. And we were kind of hobnobbing about that a little bit before we started recording. But like the the importance of of finding that time to just to just shoot for yourself, and like not for the technical sense, but just because you know. Like I think as photographers, you know, we always think about the technical bits about our work because yeah. we we get paid to do that. That's why we do what we do, and to basically. Turn off that thinking part of your brain and just kind of do the instinctual bits, um, the exploratory bits. I mean, it's it's super super important. And I guess like you know to your point earlier about just going and doing it. I mean, yeah. You know, if you're if you're a photographer, if you're an artist, if you're a creative and you are freelance or you know you run your own shop, you are the master of your own vacation schedule, right. and it's like you have unlimited <laughs> vacation days. If you want, but, you know, it's always the things of there's never a good time. You, you always have jobs or you always are scrambling f- to get that next gig under your belt. Sure. So you have enough money and there's never a good time. So sometimes you just got
1: to go. Yeah. Yeah. It felt it felt good. It was um, especially because I'd never been if I'd been before or, you know, whatever, if I, I, I might have felt differently about it, but it was just. I kind of just said, F it. Let's just do it. And, and then and then on top of all that, what's hysterical is like literally two days before we were leaving, my, I was talking to my father and he was like, so you're going to bring your big camera? And I was like, no, absolutely not. And he was like, you're going to bring your small camera? And I was like, I don't really have a small camera. I have my phone that I take with me everywhere. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you're not going to take a camera with you. And I, I, all of a sudden in my head, I was like, oh, my God, like I don't have a camera to go. Which is horrible because I'm such a a gear idiot that, you know, all of a sudden it started me thinking like, well, I should have a camera to go travel with, even though I don't ever travel. This is like the one time I'm going to travel. slippery slope. (laughs) No, I know, right? (laughs) So I actually thought that and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm like, just don't be an idiot about it. Like go, there's a a beautiful rental store here in New Jersey and giant camera stop. And I was like, I'm going to go rent like a little Fuji and it'll be, and that way I can just bring it back and I can hand it to them and I have my pictures and everything's fine and I don't need to go spend, you know, any sort of money on it. And then in the meantime, there was another trip uh, that this this thing that my wife is shooting is multi-part. And so all of a sudden, so next week, uh, I'll be traveling to Asia alongside of her. So I'm doing the same thing that I did in Italy, but I'll be doing it in Asia. And so... I thought, well, that's, okay, so it's like, you know, $180 to rent the camera this week, and then there's another, like, $200 to rent it that, and, and then I kind of thought in my head, like, well, screw it, I'm just going to go buy this, and if I hate it, I'll just sell it, and it will still have cost me less than the $400 in rental fees. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm the proud owner of a Fuji X100F now. Boom.
0: <laughs> Full circle. Um, yeah, I, I remember the text you sent me asking, a, a hand. well, it was, like, the one question was, is it okay, and then, I don't know, like, two days later right before you're getting on a plane. Yeah. You did a thing.
1: So yeah. Fuji, um yeah, I like it. It's I'm, really great. I felt good about it. I felt like a uh, I felt like a real Fuji user. I got the silver one, so it looks kind of classic and it takes gorgeous pictures. I was like actually kind of blown away that like cuz I really just thought like I'm going to knock around with a camera and like whatever I get is what I get. And then and then I got back. It wasn't until I got back to the states and I looked at the pictures and I was like these are all right. These are pretty so yeah, cool. Like, well, and I remember our text chain, Like, I was, you you were asking me about it, and I go, well, you've got that leaf shutter. Yes, which I can't... By the way, I, when I put a Profoto remote on top of it and I click the button, nothing happens. So you I have gotta to read get, the manual now. Yeah, uh, do you have the Canon remote? Uh, no, it's the Universal the oh, the, the Profoto one. Air, the regular. Right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah.
0: There's a thing for that, yeah. I gotta um, find that out. <laughs> so, you know, Fuji, uh, if you're listening out there, I will, I will, like, look, I've already sold one guy. I've sold a phase guy on a Fuji, so. (laughs) I didn't sell my phase. Well, I mean, I, (laughs) you know, you, but you got, you have one now. So I feel like I'm already, I'm already, I should be getting cut checks
1: or something. Yeah, totally. (laughs) They should have a a sponsorship program. Right. You get get GFX 100 points.
0: I will gladly work my way one, one X 100 at a time.
1: When is that coming out?
0: the the one hundred so the 100. GFX 100? Oh, man uh, it I don't keeps I, think, I think next year this summer I don't know it, it's it seems incredible I mean obviously a little rich for my blood but maybe is it eight eight thousand? Ten ten k I think is the price which is I think phenomenal for a one hundred megapixel medium format sensor like it mm. is incredible it's in, but also you know more with less It's still ten
1: grand <laughs> ten thousand dollars is a lot of money
0: yeah uh, I mean you know maybe not for
1: you well <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is. Anyway, okay, so you uh, you
0: enjoyed Rome and you're going to I Asia.
1: Did. I'm going to Bangkok in uh, whatever. I'll be there on next week when you release this. And and uh, yeah, I hope to just do the same thing. I hope to literally just walk out of the hotel and think to myself, left or right? And then just do it and take pictures like I did in Rome.
0: Did you ever find yourself forgetting about the, the technical bits of photography and just kind of thinking instinctually like, oh, that's nice. I like that.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of the a lot of the composition was that it would it was literally just like that caught my eye, turn around, click it, and and sometimes I would just walk away. I wouldn't even like think to review or because I actually uh, here's the other thing like I, I I don't ever shoot in aperture priority mode, and I found myself shooting in aperture priority mode, and then not giving a shit after the fact, being like, well, if that picture came out great, like I'm moving on, you know. And a lot of it was because we were walking and. You know, you don't want to be the annoying guy who's like, oh, hold on, I got to take another picture. Stop here for a minute. Uh, but I was. And, and uh, you know, I, it was just, you know what it was? It was it was a way of shooting that I don't ever do. Because everything I do is, 90% of it's in the studio and there's five people next to me and they're all pointing at the computer screen and they're all going, mm, maybe a little more over there. And so it's very rare that I just go out on my own and shoot. I don't do that anymore. And I should, I think this was a good reminder that I should do that.
0: The very first photographer I apprenticed with a long, long time ago, he once said something to me that, I mean, it still sticks with me this day and I, I rattle off. And it is very much like a common, it's a cliche thing that we have amongst mm-hmm. photographers, but is the idea that you have to make time to shoot for yourself yeah, or else you'll hate doing this for a living. Yeah. And I think that goes with any kind of creative vocation where, you know, you might love something enough to get started into it and to chase it, but then after a certain point when you're when you're doing it for to make your living to put food on the table to keep a roof over your head and you're doing it on at the whims of somebody else right you're doing it for their for their thing not your yeah. thing you know so it has to have that kind of constructive input it can it can really drag you down and so you know the act of making time or going out or whatever that you know going on vacation to to do it your way yeah. um Super, super important. I mean, you know, I, I think it does a lot for a creative person's mental state. I think, you know, if you're slogging long enough into the trenches, you know, you you'll get worn down. Oh um, yeah, and it can certainly lead to burnout, which I think is something that you know all creative industries really have a hard time with.
1: Yeah, it's you know when I I didn't get started in 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 cameras and stuff until I was like probably 21 years old. I think I bought my first camera when I was 21, and so but I spent my twenties. Being that guy who, like, brought his camera everywhere. Like, I'd go to the party, and I would take pictures, and I would always have my camera with me, and I'd walk through the woods with my friends, and we'd take pictures of leaves. Like, I did all that, like, stupid stuff that you do, though, right? Like, that's how you get better, and that's how you you just find stuff to photograph. You find your friends to photograph. And then and then I was 30 when I quit my, my desk job and started as a photographer full-time, and I shot bar mitzvahs, and only bar mitzvahs, for, like, a year. And it was at the end of that first year that I... All of a sudden, I realized I hadn't picked up my camera unless somebody was paying me for it. I stopped taking pictures for fun at all. And and it was really kind of disheartening to think about. And I kind of shrugged it off. And then at the end of the second year, I was like, oh, my God, like, you don't even open your case anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got to that point. It was literally like I would come home, the case would sit there, and then I would, the next weekend, I would pick the case up and go back out. And that, the only reason I opened it was to charge batteries. Like, I never took pictures. It was a bad place to be. And, and I ended up doing something rash and extraordinary and and creating a project for myself, you know, and and giving myself a timeline and things so that I could create something. And so, you know, travel is kind of like that. It's like, okay, you have five days to go and make something go. So I kind of like that. I want to do more of that now. (laughs) Did (laughs) you feel, do you feel like when, you know, the
0: first like day or two, you're still kind of clinging to like the work more or less, like your brain's still kind of in work mode. You're still checking email. You're still thinking about like, uh, I got a, Bunch of edits I got to get to when when I open totally. the studio doors again, totally. Because I think that's like my biggest challenge. Whenever I've, whenever I used to go on, whenever I used to go on vacation, because <laughs> like I, I haven't done it in a while. Um, but whenever <laughs> I goes to go on vacation, it was like the first two days are just wait, what email? Let me let me check back. Let me see who who needs yeah. my help. um You know, just because you feel it's you feel as if you're never really like you're not really needed. No people don't need your opinion on things. They don't need you to get stuff right. back until after you piece out. <laughs> and then it's like all of a sudden the world is knocking at your door like, Hey man, where you at? Yeah.
1: yeah. It's funny. I told everybody I, I had I shot two I shot two jobs um the week before I left and they both had to be I turned them in on Monday morning basically. I turned them in the weekend before I left and and everybody was like, Okay, we'll talk to you when you get back. And I was like, No, no, no. You'll talk to me while I'm away because I'm like just because I happen to be in a different place doesn't mean I'm not working. Like I can't I can't do that i can't turn it off that much and plus like my wife was there working so she was you know out of the room half the time and so like it was good for me i was able to uh, I, I did i edited i i brought everything i brought my my laptop and my drives and my uh wacom tablet and and i i edited two jobs while i was there and i think wednesday that wednesday i was in there i, I in italy I, did, I never left the hotel room i ordered room service and i spent 10 hours just editing and and i was okay with that i could have gone out but like i had shit to do <laughs> You feel like
0: that was helpful for your like you know, f- was that helpful for your productivity in terms of changing the the location? Because I mean, we talked about that in a, an episode yeah. a couple a couple months ago. It's like the idea of changing your your your
1: regular routine to kind of
0: jumpstart totally.
1: your creativity. Yeah, I, I I thought it was great. I and it wasn't honestly. I wasn't in like a a beautiful hotel with a balcony overlooking the. Sistine Chapel or whatever. I was in this, like, Sh- Sheridan Conference Center. So, if you looked out the window, it kind of looked like New Jersey, to be honest with you. <laughs> but just the fact that I was kind of somewhere else and that I ha- I could, you know, go somewhere else and the food was a lot more delicious. And, you know, yeah, it just kind of felt... I did kind of wake up and I was like, but I'm going to edit today. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to the coffee machine and then I'm going to go sit down there. Like... So, yeah, it does have that kind of, although I will say this, the chair I sat in for 10 hours nearly killed me. Sheridan <laughs> Roma, you got to update your chairs, man. Man, you're so, <laughs> number one, your shots are fired. Their chairs are terrible, and the view from their hotel looks like New Jersey. I'm telling you, man, it was, I'll, I'll show you a picture of it. It was bad. <laughs> so, okay, the real question then is, so you said you, you, you're talking about shooting for
0: yourself and you didn't really care yeah. and you got to do this stuff and explore that, yada, yada, yada. Did you shoot JPEG? Did you go down no. the rabbit hole to shoot? No. All right. No, no, so no,
1: no, no. just no.
0: can't turn that off.
1: I shot raw and I pushed and pulled the hell out of the footage because there was a lot of beautiful sunset stuff. And um, we actually, the one day we walked, we just happened to kind of turn the corner and we found that we were at the top of the Spanish steps, which is a giant staircase overlooking the city. And And it was like, oh, it's getting a little dark out. And I kind of looked at my watch and I was like, it's literally going to be sunset in 15 minutes. And so we just stopped and we stood there, and I shot. And I did get very technical for those twenty minutes because I was really trying to. I wanted I wanted it to look like it really looked in life, and I don't think any camera was going to be capable of doing it. Obviously, because it was a lot of shaded buildings and a a big blazing ball of sun in the background. And so, yeah. So I, I. I definitely thought about my technique and it looks really nice.
0: It's funny. Cause like when you go to places like, you know, you go to Rome, right. You go to a place where there's lots of tourists. Now you went yeah. off season. So right. Yeah. It's technically off season. Yeah, um, yeah. I went, I went to Italy a couple years ago and it was around the same timeline. So still off season. And I remember there was one day I spent hiking all around uh, Cinque Terre, which is like the yeah. five places or whatever. Yeah. So it's on this, uh, it's, and I'm, someone's going to write me instead. I said it wrong. So sorry. Uh, but anyway, I was sitting there and like, incredible hike just gorgeous weather it was absolutely stunning like the f- only warm day we had when we were there and i remember i was sitting there and it's that moment where you just you just sit and you kind of take the world in you know yeah. it's like that like really that calm comes over you um and as i'm sitting there just like drinking in the breeze and looking at the sunshine and the beautiful buildings this guy walks up um with a faisal tripod like big old (laughs) this thing costs more than my car tripod i'm like oh all right let's see busts out phase one hey man and like he's like i'm gonna make sure i remember this (laughs) and i thought to myself heck yeah you got
1: (laughs) you got it down bud why not man did you did you when you travel do you take uh, a camera with you yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh well. So it's funny because like my jump to Fuji Film was during uh, a trip to Rome. I bought my XT one um, on. It was like that was the way of validating the purchase. Like, oh, I want to downsize my kit. I don't want to carry a a big cannon bag anymore. And I still had a Canon bag for work, but like I want something smaller. And so I was like, oh, I'll get this. I'll get this XT one. Perfect. So yeah, it was perfect. It was a it was a perfect camera for it. I mean, I still have those images. I have a couple, like I think I printed a couple of them. They're somewhere around here. I think that that's the hardest part, right? It's like you you go out to these, you spend the money on this trip, and you go and see these beautiful places. You take the
1: time to make the pictures, but then you got to you don't you have got to print them out. If you don't print them out, then what was the point? Yeah, Um, I agree. It's funny because I don't when I go places, I don't bring my camera ever. And part of it is because I just want to remember it. I have this stupid artsy thing where I'm like, I just want to remember it in my head. I don't want to remember it through the viewfinder. And so then you end up, you know, I pull out my phone and take like a quick picture and and that's it. And, and, but you're right. Like, cause I know that it's probably going to get archived and I'll, you know, in like a year and a half and I'm scrubbing through looking for something, I'll be like, oh, there's the Rome trip. And I'll look at it, but that's it. Like, it's not like so I got, you know, I mean, these, I will, I will print some of these and hang them because it deserves to be printed and hung. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. I I think you're right.
0: But there are sometimes I no I, I think there's a neat, uh, the good balance. Like I was watching the this movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's a Ben Stiller I've seen movie. It. It's so yeah. good. So good. So good. So for those of you who don't know, the super clip, like super clips, I'm going to get it wrong, is like Ben Stiller plays a guy that works for <laughs> Time magazine. He's like an archivist. Um, and there's a photo missing from a very, very prominent photojournalist. He goes chasing the world, doing all these things he never would do, pushing outside his boundaries, etc., etc. et cetera. It's an incredible movie. You should go watch it. Yes. Um, anyway, fine. Well, I'm going to ruin it. Spoilers. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, stop right now, go watch the movie and then come back like in an hour and a half. All right, great. <laughs> We've warned you. Uh, um, finds the guy and who's played by Sean Penn and he just goes, sometimes they're about to get this incredible shot and he goes, sometimes and he stops. He doesn't take the picture at all. sometimes i just i don't take them i just oh yeah i just watch the things i watch life happen for me yeah this is only for me and so yeah I, i totally get there's a good balance stripe with that it's like it's the same reason why i wouldn't be that guy that brought the phase and the faisal and all that like i would that's that defeats the entire purpose of just sitting and being and taking it in yeah is if i'm like if i'm too busy worried about getting my big old camera out and setting it up and making sure I got my focal plane set and let me bracket the exposure. It's like, that's right. Then I'm not, I'm, I'm working. I'm not, I'm not enjoying what this is right here. Yeah. Um, so, but then there's other moments where it's like, you have a little, ca- like you have a camera and you want to, re- okay, I'll snapshot. I want to remember that. Like the Polaroid equivalent. Totally. And, the, and I
1: think that th- that's fair. Um. It's important. So, I think it's important. And, and it's important to, capture the i mean i I took a lot of pictures uh, i took a lot of first of all hold on real real quick the selfie stick is alive and well in europe oh yeah i did not know that nobody told me this the street vendors sell them there
0: everybody has one yeah it's totally acceptable did you see street vendors selling them there yeah yeah okay okay because they were that was a a big thing when i was there was like you had ladies and dudes
1: selling them like you walk through a crowd and there's like poles with cell phones on them everywhere. And and I was blown away. Like, I, man, I don't know. I don't, I can't bring myself. Maybe when I'm in Asia, I'll buy one. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. see but, some I, selfies. I, but I did take, I did selfie as best I could with, with my wife. Cause I thought like we're here together in front of this, you know, whatever, 3000 year old building. Like I want a picture of us in front of this and you know. And there was nobody to, to click it. So I did it myself. I felt okay about it.
0: Just put it on a ledge or like a little gorilla pod. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally.
1: So, yeah. Uh, well, That's it. welcome
0: welcome back to the States, man. I uh, hope you enjoy your week before you head out again. Man. Yeah. I'm going to learn how to use my camera. There you go. <laughs> Can't wait to see. Um, we were talking before we started recording, and I want to bring this up for the podcast because I think it's an incredible topic. It's um, You did a YouTube video recently. Um, like last week, right? Yes, um, from the hotel room. From the hotel room, from Rome. So, man, hustle hustle, flow for sure. Uh, you did a video about a question that came to you from somebody about leaving money on the table when when quoting and bidding out for jobs. And I think that, like, I watched it, and, like, it was the week that I was also doing a bid for a gig, and it's like I sent off the bid, and immediately, like, almost the second you hit, like, the, <laughs> the send button on yeah. on the email you go i didn't ask for enough that's not going to be enough to get that work done i should have asked for more but when you're in the when you're in the process of building that bid you go no 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 that seems that seems like a lot that seems like i should have enough time that should seems like i have enough budget or oh no they're going to they're going to totally just get sticker shock yeah and then the second you send it your brain just does this full 180 on you and goes yeah you, you blew sh- it you definitely <laughs> you definitely should have asked for more money yeah,
1: it's tough, man. I mean, because there is no, uh, you know, there is no roadmap to what we do and how to price it. And and worse off than that is that there are guys who charge bare minimum and there are guys who charge tens of thousands of dollars per day to shoot the same job. It's hard to figure out where you fit in. And so I, I've done a bunch of videos on this, but the, the, the question when it came to me was basically like, I feel like I lost out because they said yes so quickly. I feel like I left money on the table now. And like you just said, all you're doing is speculating at that point, which is so dangerous because that's just whatever. Anyway, the the woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You're just going, you're you're going nowhere. And to me, when I got the question, I was like, I'm gonna do a video on this and it'll be a quick video because it's an easy answer. And um, I had to record the video twice because I messed up the first time. And the more I I did it, the more I was like, this is a much longer topic. This is something that can be discussed ad nauseum because my initial response was, and I still do believe this, by the way, is uh, you haven't lost out. If you hit send and the client responds right away and says like, hey, this is great. Let's go. Like, that's exactly what you want in life. That doesn't mean that you didn't charge enough. Maybe you were right at the top end of their budget. Maybe you were a little bit over. Maybe it's, it just depends on on how it all plays out, and you'll never really know. But that's what you want. You want to be able to send in a, uh, an estimate and have someone go, "Yep, we like that." And if you feel bad about it, it's because you didn't put the right numbers on the estimate. That's the bottom line. That's That's how I I personally feel about it. Is that? And, and I and I know the math. Like you just said, like you start doing the math, and then all of a sudden you look and you're like, "That's way too much money for this job." Like nobody's ever going to pay me this much money to do this job, and so you start finagling and like bartering and like but all with yourself though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you do. Yeah, and then in the end, you send something that you think is good, and you're right. The second you hit send, you're like, ah, I messed that one up. And then and then sure enough, they'll probably respond and be like, this is great, thanks. Let's book it. And then you feel like, oh man, I should have I should have charged more. I don't know. I it's so it's such a scary way to live. And I, and I kind of, the more I thought about it is like, the worst thing you can do is like, you start to feel jaded before you're even doing the job. Yep. You know, like the, God forbid you walk onto set feeling like I'm doing this for less than I should. Like, that's just such a bad place to be.
0: And I think that like the way that I've experienced it is, you know, I put the bid together and you send it and you kind of feel that, I don't know that that may not, doesn't feel right now that I've done it. And then you like, I've been lucky enough to get those jobs and it's like, awesome, cool. Like got work to do. It's going to be fun. And so I've been on the, for, in my experience, it's always like I'm in the edit. I always, I always get my, my editing time is always the hard part for me to judge. Yeah. Um, Just because like, I kind of guesstimate like based on what I think, what I've done before, what I've done in the past for other people, like it takes me roughly about this much time. And then inevitably stuff happens, right? Like, Sure. It takes a little bit harder to finagle something. Like, and I think this is some of the composite work that I've had to do over the years where it's like, eh, it's not really a, it's not like a, a science. It's kind of just like a, you got to feel it out right? and you don't generally know until you're like in the middle of it and you start feeling like, oh man, now, now I wish I had asked for a little bit more. Right. I wish I had asked for more time. <laughs> but when you were making that number and you had thought about, oh, in the past I've done it this way yeah. and it's, it's taken me longer. I should probably ask for more. And you put the more number down, but then you see it and you're like, that's a lot. That's yeah. way too much. It's a tough situation because you have that inner dialogue in your brain going like,
1: nope. Yep. Now, see, I always, especially when I'm doing bids that I'm like kind of questioning on, I will immediately go to um, uh, Rob Haggard's site, a photoeditor.com. And he has a whole pricing negotiation section where he he lists these like entire stories about how someone came to figure out these numbers and basically in the negotiations with the client. And I will, I will go there and I will search for whatever's closest to the job that I'm bidding. Like I'll be like, uh, you know, pharmaceutical portrait advertisement and sure as shit, one will pop up. They're always for like 10 times more than I'm charging. Literally. They're always for like $30,000. And I'm like, oh shit, my, my 2800 is nothing. But y- you read the stories and you read the kind of behind the scenes and, and, there's a there's math behind it. There's a way to come up with the, you know, the numbers. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's just figuring out what your numbers are. Right. The the math part is easy when you go like, okay, well, I'm going to charge X, Y, and Z. It's it's the in your head part that I think will kill you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I I've been victim to being too expensive for a job. I've been victim to not being expensive enough. I don't think that that be expensive enough. One gets like put out into the world often enough right like i think a lot of people think that oh i didn't i must not have gotten it or i didn't get it because it was too much and sometimes you can't like it is possible to be too inexpensive yeah right like because i think there are certain jobs in certain clients where you know they they have a number in the mind and they your number comes back and it's like whoa we were expecting you know like we were expecting an 8k number and this guy's coming in at 3k so like what did this person not think about to get us to the end or why is they undervaluing their work yeah and it's it's a really difficult i think it's a really difficult position like it puts kind of creatives and i mean like it kind of gives the upper hand to the art buyer but i don't know i i i always i mean in my mind what i always like to to say and this is my call to clients and art buyers all the folks out there that, that do this like If you start, if you have a number in mind, if you have a ballpark, even a ballpark, be honest and candid about it with the creative you're working with. And that really helps us align the expectations for what you expect and what we're expected to give you. Because I think like sometimes we get these, like I get bid requests and it's like, I don't know, like that could be a $2,000 project. That could be a a $20,000 project. I mean, it just depends on the scope and scale and how you want to build it. And sometimes it's really, really hard for me to read the like read between the lines and know that because every widget is different. It's the same, like that premise of like, you can have a $2,000 job day or you can have a $20,000 job yeah. day. I think it all depends on the scale of the asset, right? And so, I don't know. I, I think, and in those instances, like if you're the photographer, if you're the artist and you, you put a bid in that's either too low or too high, like, and you miss the landing spot, you know, you could have knocked that project out of the park for that client and that client could have gotten amazing work, but the conversation was shut down right before it even got started. Yeah. You know, and so my call to action for any art buyers out there is like, just be candid with your numbers. I mean, I think that that's the hardest thing about the money conversations is that people people get really scared about talking about the money and, and I don't think it should be so taboo. I understand that as a client, like if you're the client, if you're an art buyer, if you're an agency person, if you are, if you work for the brand itself, like I understand that you have a budget to work with. Just like everyone else in the world has budgets. I have a budget to make sure I pay my bills on time and I have enough to, you know, have food. So it's like, I get that if you don't have it, then we, we're not going to talk. So it's like, if it's one of those where I don't know if I can afford David Patino, Well, you don't know until you ask, right? right? Or like, and at that point, it's one of those where we can mutually come to discussion and say, okay, look, I I don't think I can close that gap or I don't think I can do that for you. So I'm not going to waste any, any of your time and you're not going to waste any of mine and we don't have to yeah. go back and forth on the bid. And I think from a from a mental checkpoint, like if you're the artist putting a bid together for that, it's just a, so much easier of a place to, at- like to attack it from. Yeah. It's like the client has this much to work with and they want this kind of widget. So I can realistically say, well, okay, that means I'm going to need two makeup and hair artists. I'm going to need a set design, a prop design. I have this much to to help for editing. Like it really helps you put the pieces together to make, make a successful project happen. And, and that means the outputs better your, your mental state going into the shoots better. You deliver better work and ultimately the client gets a better product.
1: Sure. Everybody's on the same page. (laughs) Right.
0: You know, kind of like guessing, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I that's a really tough that's a really tough challenge when it comes to like putting bids together in that whole did I leave enough did I charge enough Did I leave any on the table? Cuz I agree with you. I think like if a client says yes, that's a win. Like yeah. You got you're going to get paid to do your work, to
1: do your art for them. And and you're going to get what you asked for. You're going to get what you asked for. Which should be the number that you actually wanted. Yeah. Make sure that what you put on that estimate is not what you think they're willing to pay. It's what you want. You well, know, and it, walking and that goes into like learning how to walk away from a, a job that's not, you know what I mean? Like sometimes they say, like, we can't afford you, and you you can just say, like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, when I <laughs> if I was to walk
0: into like a Mercedes dealer and say, hey, I want this S class, exactly, and they're going to say, well, do you have a hundred and some thousand dollars? And be like, no, and they'd be like, okay, well, then we'll see you later. Like, come back next year, come back. Do. When, yeah, come back <laughs> when you do. And yeah. so, and I think in any other instance, like, that that dialogue doesn't. That happens a lot of different places in a lot yeah. of different industries, but when it comes to this one, yeah. creative industry, it's like it's it's so oh no, like we can't talk about the numbers. It's like, yeah. I mean, sure, let's talk about the numbers. You know, I mean, I think that that's that's a that honesty approaching it from that way is it's such an easier transaction to have. Yeah. You know, because like that client, you can say right off the bat, like I'm not going to waste any of your time. That's either too low or you know what I mean. Like you can you can immediately like say, nope, it ain't going to work. Yeah. And the, and the, for them they're better too cuz it's like they can move on to the next thing, the next person, the next whatever, the contact on their list and they can get on with their job.
1: Sure. I think the other thing is like you you need to know what, like what is what's in the shoot. If someone calls you and says like, "Hey, can you take a, a you know, a picture for me of these I don't know, sunglasses, right?" Like th- what does that mean? Does that mean like you need a shot on white, like an e-com shot or do you want freaking Beyoncé to wear them? On top of the Statue of Liberty. Like, they're, they're both shots of sunglasses, but there's a giant, there's a couple hundred thousand dollar difference between those two shoots. And so Ooh. I don't know where you are until we start having that conversation and talking about what your expectations are, what your budget is. Because if you think you're going to get Beyonce for five grand to put on your sunglasses, you're sadly mistaken. Like,
0: can I call Beyonce and have her like <laughs> hang out? Like, I
1: have so many questions about her work,
0: her art. Like, it's, <laughs> and if it only costs me five grand to do it, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. I mean, I, t- I totally feel that. And I think it's... You should feel good about the numbers you put out there because, like, this is never... Like, as the artist, as the as the creative person, it's not your job to gouge them or take them for everything they've got. No. It's your job to help solve their problem with what they have to work with. Right? Like, yeah. it's to be a good steward of the art form, of the, of the craft. Yeah. And to, you know... That's your job is to help solve a problem, right? And right, it's not to take every single red cent they
1: have, unless it's what you need to get the job done. Yeah, but think about it. every I don't care if you go to a, a car dealership or a couch store or a wedding dress store, whatever. If you walk in the door to any of those places, they're going to say, what's your budget? Yep. And you better have a number, Yeah. okay? Because, and when you do give them that number, they're going to do three things. They're going to show you what you can get for that number. They're going to show you what's cheaper than that. And then they're going to show you what you just can't afford what's slightly over the top of what you want and yep. of course you're always going to want the one that you can't have right and that's when you start wheeling and dealing like that's just a thing that people do it it's easier in commerce because there's a physical you know what i mean like there's a yeah. physical transaction there's, i'm giving you a car or a dress or something like that it's a little bit harder when you're like taking digital photos and they're being used god knows where like i i, I get it but and i'm not a good salesman we've been through this before like we're, we're both kind of Subpar salesman, I think. You know, we're better photographers than salespeople. But if I think yourself, it's t- I'm good at neither of those things. <laughs> really? I don't really? think
0: so. I mean, you know, Well, If
1: any of Ashton's clients want a real <laughs> photographer, hey, now I've got names for you.
0: <laughs> Watch it. There's plenty of people in my backyard that are far more competent than me to take my jobs. <laughs> But to your point, like, it's, yeah, when there's, like, it's, it's harder for other people to realize because there's not an exchange of tangible good. Yeah. Um,
1: and But, but there I, is, and I think when you realize is. that there is, yeah. those are the people that will call you and say, I have $5,000 to spend on this. Like, they know, they get it, they've done it before. I know, I know when, a, when a new agency calls me and they immediately say their budget in the first 20 minutes of the phone call, like, I know, like, oh my God, these guys have done this shoot before. Mm-hmm. They know what it's worth and they know how much they have to spend. Mm-hmm. They don't know if they can afford me or if I'm not whatever anywhere near what they're charging. But they know what they know what the game is and they've done it before.
0: Well, and even if even if even if they haven't, even if the like oh hey I want to I want to shoot Beyonce you know sitting on the top of Statue of Liberty and I got ten thousand dollars and it's like you can't get Beyonce, but we can get something we can we can realign your expectations with your budget. So long yeah. as I know where you're starting from, I can realign with what's possible. Totally. Right. So it's like I, I think it's it's one of those where, you know, I I want I want clients to come in. I want I want a, a client to come in and know that they have a trusted partner to get that job done. Yeah. It's my 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 job is to help you help you solve for the problem. And to do that, I need to know all the variables. Right. I, you're you're solving for x x being your widget i can solve for that but i need to know the other variables to get there and so if you help me by giving me those things and being kind ca- like being candid with me being honest like hey ash i'm so sorry like we have a really big ask and we only have this much to do what's possible i can say okay that's great with that i think we can accomplish you know some of it or heck you know what? maybe we can accomplish all of it i don't know but i, I don't know until we start Right. Because I think there are certain instances where, and I think most creatives can relate to this, is where you get a, a question from a client or a potential client that says, hey, I want to do X, Y, or Z. What would it cost me to do that? And then you go through the process, you go, well, I've done those types of things before, and they generally cost this much. And you blow it out, because you, like, you're like you thinking about all the wi- all the pieces, all the things to do it like on a grand scale, because yeah. it could be a grand scale. Based on the information you have, you don't know if it's a small thing or a big thing, you just know it's yeah. a thing. And so you build it out based on what you think it will take to make the biggest part of it and the feedback might come back as ah eh, too much we're going to go in a different direction it's like okay well you close the door before we even got to the real heart, right. heart of the we're conversation didn't talk yet. <laughs> yeah and it's you know if we had a real candid discussion about what the expectation is or where you're starting from I can realign those things together
1: yeah I think the other the other funny thing is that like when I look at an estimate of mine, which let's say it has 10 lines on it, right? I mean, the creative fee is mine. That's my money. Um, other than that, there's probably not a lot of money on those other lines that's mine. Yeah, no, Maybe you're right. a tiny bit, you know what I mean? And so sometimes I look at an estimate that's, you know, whatever, eight, 10, $12,000, and you're like, wow, God, that's a lot of money for this job. But then you look and you're like, no, no, no. My fee to do that is, is well, probably reasonable or hopefully reasonable. But in order to do this, we also need all of these other things. Yeah. And yeah. and that's where all the cost comes from. It's not just, you know, sometimes lumped in with photography is catering and hair and makeup and propping and styling and like, but propping and styling might be coming out of an entirely separate budget. I just had that happen where we booked a job and like they were like, This is our photo budget for the year. And we all kind of went like, eh, okay. But then they were like, But the propping and styling comes out of another line. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh wow, well, your budget's really good then. Like Yeah. We can make this work or, you know, we can do something with it. So I think there's also that. It's like sometimes when you look at a photographer's estimate, there's a lot of shit on there that's not photography. Yeah. It has to do with it, but it might be pulled from somewhere else. And so, you know, it doesn't hurt to send it. And, and, I, and you always want to have that sentence that kind of um, – you always want to close each email with that sentence that's like, let me know what you think. You know, like you want to leave the door open, give them the opportunity to say like, hey, let's talk about this as opposed to like, nope, we can't afford that guy. And I think that's a really hard sentence. to. T- I still don't know what that sentence is. I haven't figured out the best one yet because you don't want to sound like, hey, if this number's too high, let me know and I'll come down.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think like as the person that's getting commissioned, to do the work, you don't want to back down from your number because the number you put out there is a realistic representation of what it will cost to make the widget based on the time you need to invest or the things you need to get or the people you need to borrow to do it. Yeah, It's it's not a made up completely, it's not a completely made up number, right? It's like, it's a number based on factual things from what yeah. other things cost, from what other, other people's time costs with other, you know, objects or, you know, propping costs. It's like, those are things that truly exist. And so when you put them into your number, it's not like, uh, you'd ask me like, Hey, how much does it cost? It costs $20,000. It's like, no, that I thought about this. I've literally sat First. down and thought, okay, <laughs> if we're going to spend a full day in the studio, that's at my hour, really rate or my rate is this much. So i I'm going to need a person to help me with the hair. I'm going to need a person to help me with the makeup. I'll need a person to help me with the styling. Like those are all considerations to make this number what it is. So I think as the creator person, you you don't want to back down immediately from that because you know that's an accurate representation of what it will cost you, like what you're going to be issuing, you know, ten ninety nines out for, sure. to get the job done. Sure. But I, I to your point, like you have, like it's it's an invitation to talk about the project to say if you see this and it looks out of out of scope for you, if it doesn't, if it looks too much or too little, whatever it might be, then let's talk about what you truly need. And we can realign that number to better represent that. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we talk about estimates or budgets, right? Like, an estimate is just that. It's an estimate. An estimate. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's where some people, like, on the art buying side, I mean, I hope, I, I, this is an assumption, and I hope that not everyone has this one, but, like, it's, oh, too much. Can't even, yeah. can't even f- explore it further. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, talk to me about what you need. And if you can give me harder details, I can give you a harder number. Yeah. Um, But when it's just maybe, when it's a bunch of possibles, then, you know, like, you got to kind of account for that. Because it's also possible to be on the other end of that where you've under-budgeted your work and then you Mm over-service a client. which. I'm all for giving clients your best 120%, 150%. Give them everything you've got when when they hire you to do a job. But they become they like you don't want to have an inequitable gap between the work you're producing and and what you're getting compensated for it because right. you need to value your time, you need to value your work because that's what makes you love it, that's what makes you stay engaged with it, and that's what will keep you doing it past this job because mm-hmm. if you're always working from a deficit you're going to hate doing this for a living and you're not going to totally. do it anymore you're no, going to go you're going to go choose a, a, a i don't know like magic air quote practical career you're a paycheck a, career you'll take a yeah you take a job
1: job yeah yeah there's something to be said for getting a, a check every two weeks that's for the same amount yeah absolutely a lot of people you know need that and like that and want that. And and that's, that's fine. I think that's, you're right. That is the scariest thing is that like, you don't know when the next check is going to come in and it's not going to be for the same amount and Mm -hmm. hopefully it can be for a little bit more than the last one, but who knows?
0: Well, and so the thing is, is like, I think every creator that's done this for a little bit can relate to the part where you've been up for a really long time. Everyone's asleep now. You look at your watch, it's three o'clock in the morning. You're sitting in front of your computer, pushing pixels, moving lines, changing vectors, whatever it is that you do, right? And your budget ran out two days ago. Yeah. You are now working on this thing with client feedback changes, things, because you want to make it good. You want to knock it out of the park for them. You want to do a good job because that is what they've asked you to do. So you feel that pressure to do, to do it and do it well, right? And now you're doing it for free. And so what ends up happening is you you start feeling like, I don't really like this project anymore. And your heart's really not in it as much. You know, and like, that's not a good place to be. And I think, you know, we all are going to get there once or twice and it'll happen every now and again, but like, you don't want that to be a regular occurrence and so when you put that number out there, be confident that it's, it is what it is to make the widget and get, and for the client side, like, give us as many details
1: as you can so we can accurately give you the best number. Yeah. And don't feel like you're leaving money on the table if no. They say yes quickly. <laughs> that's the bottom Bottom Wait, line it? is you want them to say yes quickly. You don't want to fight for it. Yeah. You know, if you have the information, you can give the number. That's where you want to be in life. You want to, you want, you want to say to someone, it's a thousand dollars and have them go. That's fair. Let's
0: well, book it. All that to say, keep building your numbers, ask the questions that you can up front. Um, if you're on the buying side of this equation, Give us as many details as you can, as, as you can possibly like, give us a budget range. If you're like, please give us budget ranges. We, we really like to know what you're working with. Tell us what exactly what you need expectation wise for deliverables, because that will help us either continue the conversation further in a way that's positive for both sides, or it'll help us curtail it. And you can move on with your life just like we can move on with ours yeah. um, because no one likes to spend hours and hours going back and forth on budgets or estimates. When you don't have to, you know, if it's if it can be as simple as, nope, you're too expensive for us, or no, we don't have enough we don't have enough budget to work with you, or whatever that might be, then at least we know and we can move on. And you know, like I think there are even certain projects where a creative will refer out another creative Mm -hmm. that might be able to solve the problem. Totally. Um, So, you know, be be candid, be forward with that, and and for the photographers and other creatives on the other side, you know be the same budget it as honestly as you can to do the job. Um, and know that if they say yes, that's a win. Once you make yeah. the sale, sell, stop selling.
1: Yeah. And if it doesn't work, move on to the next one. It. There are other jobs. Huzzah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk cameras.
0: Okay. Canon EOS. R. what's the other one? The new one, the new, new one, the RP RP Canon EOS RP sounds like MSRP. (sighs) This camera has gotten a lot of fire. The
1: RP. It's a real piece. It's like, I feel like it set YouTube on fire for like a week. Yeah. Actually, so it's funny. I did the the best video I saw of it because everybody, nobody has one, right? Everybody's just talking about it right now, which is hysterical to me. Um, But uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Kai. He used to do digital rev. Yeah, I love him. He's incredible. He's hysterical, and he he just doesn't give a crap, which is what makes him funny. But he, I sh- saw his video yesterday or something like that, and he didn't have one either. He talked to someone who had one. and um, But he laid out the specs on it, and he kind of, for what it's worth, he was like, it's a cheap camera, and it doesn't do great video, and it doesn't do great photo. It's a cheap mirrorless camera. Like, stop looking at it like it's supposed to be the next big pro thing. That's going to, you know, change the way you shoot. Um, camera companies can still put out subpar cameras at this point. And, and it doesn't mean that they're bad cameras. I'm pretty sure that the image that comes out of it is really great. It's got like the, what, sixty six d 2 sensor in it, basically, from what I gather. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, no, it doesn't do everything that the R does. And it doesn't do everything that a 1DX does. It's not supposed to. It's $1,300. It's called market segmentation, folks. Yeah, and and you know, there is a reason that you didn't uh, hear about a big launch for it. They didn't, you know, like when they put out the R, they it was they pulled out all the stops. There was bells and whistles and more bells and whistles. And then they put out this one and they were just like, "Hey, we got this camera too." Because it is. It's it's a it's a little it's a little brother of the R. That being said, like I'm really curious to see what an actual picture looks like coming out of it. I haven't even researched it yet, but I you know, it's probably a great little knock around for someone that wants to take the next step off of a Canon Rebel. If they still make those, I don't even know. Um, you know, but if you've spent $800 on a on a, on a body and lens and you want to go to the next step, this is the next step. And it's kind of nice. It's actually a nice little price point of $1,300. You don't have to jump to 1900 You can take a little uh, half step here. So, I, honestly, do I think it's a revolutionary uh prosumer? camera no i think it's uh, i think it's going to be a really nice knock around for uh someone that wants to step up i think the magic here
0: people need to understand is it's called market segments right like uh-huh. not everyone needs an eos r and like just like not everyone needs a 1dx mark 2 not like not everyone needs right. a phase 1 so you know it's the same reason that porsche has a 911 and a and a cayman and a it's those are two two different cars you know like they come at different prices they fill for different buyers yeah. Um, so yeah, now here's the magic, David. It's mm. only got one card slot. So mm-hmm. yeah. what do you think?
1: Well, I think it's a giant piece of crap.
0: Well, there you go. Everyone on the internet is right to flame it then.
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think <laughs> e- honestly, even if it did 4k without a crop, it'd still be a giant piece of dung because it only has one card slot. And when will you learn? Don't buy it.
0: Don't buy it. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is episode seven. We appreciate you hanging out with us. If you have a question, uh, let us know. Fire it off. in the. Send us a note. You can find us on social uh, David A. Patino everywhere. Um, not David A. Patino everywhere, but David A. Patino space everywhere is where you'll find David. Uh, I'm Ashton Stan. Um, if you liked our podcast, share it with a friend. Sharing is caring. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, I like that Pass it around. Yeah. Puff, puff, pass on the podcast. There you go. That's Boom. Jesus, we're going to coin that one. <laughs> um, the, the Office Hours podcast is produced by the Tannery Studio in Stanhope, New Jersey, by my buddy David Patino, uh, Katie Lantuck of KOPR, and myself, Ashton Staniszewski. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you guys in the next one.
1: Peace. Later.